All right, let's do this. Uh, Mike, Mikey Beats, I have not seen you since the last time we did this. Really? Not one time. Really? Yeah, you were trying to skip out. You were trying to skip out on your wife and go see Lauren Hill. You called me up. I couldn't go. Oh, that's right. I did I, see Lauren Hill. And then I was trying to call you up and say, hey, wingman, iration. Yeah. Yet you couldn't skip out. No, Saturdays are bad for me. So, like, a lot has changed since the last time we were in this room together. Yeah, there was an election. Right, which, I mean, we'll, we'll save that till the meaty part of this. My, if I was a dog, my lipstick would be out. <laughs> so, I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. You know, we don't, we're, this is not Cantorian Woods. I have not seen you in three or four weeks. It has been a while. But this morning, I get out of bed. I check the mail uh, that's left over from yesterday because I see it the next day, whatever. Long story. So it's my annual life insurance. And so I open it. And I've been paying for the last decade. I get this life insurance plan. It doesn't cost that much money. It's 300 or something dollars for the year. Whoa. Good deal, right? Mm -hmm. If I fall over dead, the it's family, coming the family gets a half a million, right? Damn, so, it's way better than I got. So then like... The thing expired because it's been 10 years. So I got the new bill. Mm. Liberty Mutual Insurance has made a bet that I'm going to die. That bill went from $300 mm -hmm. to $4,790. <laughs> the same bill. I think they were hoping that I would just turn my head or have auto pay on or something. I pay a lot and I'm 37. What do you say to Liberty Mutual Life when they just basically said, hey, our money is on you dying? Then if I was you, I would do a lot of yoga. <laughs> and drink a lot of suja. <laughs> I mean, that, that is too late for that. I've I've got I got suckered. No, I I, I have a, a, a bulletproof plan. I pay way too much. I pay like one hundred twenty five dollars a month of life insurance. I got a huge policy, but honestly, I, I looked at it and over thirty years, I'd pay sixty grand. And if I die, I get a million. Well, my family gets a million. And if I don't die, I waste the 60 grand. That's great odds. I, I gamble and I bet, you know, box cars and snake eyes on the craps table. That's 31 to one. Yeah, so. but obviously we're going to pull a Mitt Romney on this Liberty Mutual thing and go fire them and go get somebody who's back down around 300 bucks a uh, year. But did you just, just name drop the new secretary of state? <laughs> and that's a best case scenario. I know. <laughs> a best case scenario. My Mitt Romney. My in-laws are like, we really like him. <laughs> like, oh, you just like him better than Giuliani. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, he's like, oh, he's terrible. So I stopped to get a burrito on my way over here, and um, I did that thing. How many times have you done this thing? Um, get in the car, get ready to pull out, and, you know, got a burrito, got some beers, the whole thing. And then, hey, where's the cell phone? Oh. Do you circle the car? No cell phone. Then you oh. go back into Roberto's, no cell phone. You go back into Circle K, no cell phone. And, you know, that is a sketchy little uh mini market sort of area that place has been robbed like 150 times yeah so, by crack rocks in the parking lot right exactly marina, Vol marina boulevard's no joke right no joke at all so then you know circle the car 15 minutes and no phone and i'm like oh there you go you know it's been a while but it's this story is not about this time because i found it in my car in between the seats and you know then it went away but it just reminds you of the last time let's talk about the last time 
I don't know, must have been, I, I had my brand new Samsung Galaxy S4, like the right when it came out, I was so happy with the thing. Uh, it was avant-garde. This, that's the phone that the president currently uses, you know, all that stuff. So I am, I've got mom in town, foreign exchange student sister from Finland in town. We're a party of nine. We decided we're going to Old Town. We're going to go to Old Town Mexican Cafe, my recommendation. Hey, let's go to this place. This is place is great for tourists, people who don't see the city that much. We'll go to Old Town. We'll go get, they make the tortillas there. It'll be great. So we're wait, in the middle. Wait, wait, time out. Side note. This is why you never ask a white person where to go eat Mexican food. Carry on. Okay, thank you. So we're there, and it's great, and everyone's having a good time, and margaritas are being had, and the whole thing, and we get about three-quarters of the way through that dinner, and where's the cell phone? Mm. Brand new, white, whole thing. And uh, nowhere to be found. Circle the restaurant, talk to the manager. Uh, the tortilla maker has it. No, the tortilla maker didn't have it. But I'm asking every single person in the place, hey, where's the phone? I check in the bathroom, check in the bathroom trash, every single possible scenario. The only thing that was super weird is that I had a Bluetooth earpiece. So I could turn the Bluetooth earpiece on and it would go boop, like the phone was still really nearby. Only it wasn't in our possession. We knew for a fact that it wasn't in our pockets. It wasn't with us. It wasn't in any cars. It was none of that. So it was still there. So whoever had jacked it, was within 45 feet. And I told the manager that, like, no, I don't want to give you my phone number. I just want you to know that someone in this place jacked this phone off of the table. Oh. And I don't think it was another customer. And left it at that. Went, uh, sent everyone home. Hey, this is a lost cause. We'll deal with this whole thing. Uh, And went home and dialed up for my first use of locate my phone. Right. And there goes my phone, right down San Diego Boulevard. Oh. On its way east. To the trolley? Nah, nah. They were in a car, and they were going to the bad part of town. Oh. But I had my Galaxy tablet, Samsung. I was very into Samsung at the time. So I have it. I have my phone on locate, and they've left the phone on. Duh, criminals. Pull the battery out. If you don't, hey, I know where it's at, no matter what. So I go get one of my burly biker friends, and down we go, off into the bad part of town, you the two of us, down. to go find my cell phone. I, I mean, I had just got the thing. It was a month old. It was going to be a total disaster. And no, So on the way, we call the police, and they're all, what? Don't do that. Well, we're going to do it. All right, well, meet a squad car at this location. We're like, we found the phone. The phone is stopped. This phone is at a residence. We have the residence. This is the address of the residence. We're going there. It's the tortilla maker. And so we um, go to the place where the cops said meet them, and there's three cops there. So we go to the, talk to the cops. Hey, uh, dispatch said we're supposed to meet you guys. They're like, who the fuck are you? Get away from my car. Like, when we like, re-explain ourselves to these guys, and they, they told you what? They told you to meet us here? What? And they're all grousy about the whole thing. And I'm all, all right, and I'm pointing to the tablet. Hey, they're right here. Let's go. All right, we're going. So then the three cops get into it. There's, there's three cop cars in this liquor store parking lot. They have the address now, and off they go. And you, we're, and Side we're, note, if you were brown skin, they would have never followed you. Go ahead. All right. Um, so off we go to the house, and I cannot make this up. We left. It was a caravan of one civilian car and three cop cars. We get there. It's nine cop cars. 
and one civilian car. And it is just like Battle of the Bulge. There they go, right in. And so it's a duplex, and there's a front house and a back house. And the front house has a family grouped around about a 70-inch TV watching a movie. Uh, and they're knocking, the cops are knocking, the cops are knocking in the back. And... They start, and we're using the, the locate the phone thing, and the locate the phone thing is so accurate. It says, this phone is in that car. And we're like, we can make this phone ring. Did it say that in Spanish? No. So off we go. So the, the people in the front house are like, no, we don't know anything about Old Town, but wait a second. The guy in the back house, he's a busser at... Old Town Mexican Cafe. Oh. So that's the guy who's not answering his door. Mm. Right? So he's not answering his door, and he won't answer his door, and the cops are progressively pounding on his door, and there's just nowhere for him to hide. And the people in the front house now start to get extremely angry with the guy in the back house. Like, you have brought us an immense amount of trouble. We were just eight people watching a movie on a really large television. They're novellas. And now we are absolutely being infiltrated by people we really don't want to talk to. And there's guys in Kevlar vests and undercover guys and tons of mustaches. Just unbelievable scene, right? And they finally get the guy to open his door. He's trying to pretend like he'd been in bed the whole time. He's in his underwear trying to rub his eyes, trying to, oh, I only speak Spanish. And, but it's not the cops that are talking to him. It's the front neighbor. And the front neighbor is like, you motherfucker. You, were t- you brought us all this trouble. Where's that guy's phone? No one's leaving until you give him his phone back. He's like, I don't know about any phone. This goes on for about five minutes. And the guy just gives up and whispers in the girl from the front house's ear, like, go under the seat in my dream. And so she finally goes in front of the seat of the, his car and pulls my phone out and they hand it to me. You used taxpayer money to get your goddamn phone. I would do it again in a heartbeat. But that's not quite the end of the story. Oh, sorry. The the end of the story is really close because there I am. I got a Samsung tablet and a Samsung phone probably between them worth about 1200 bucks in my hand. And um, about 50 people from the neighbor's to the front house all extremely upset about there being essentially a raid in militarized police right the whole was thing. there a, was there a ghetto bird <laughs> not yet was migra called <laughs> was there a missile strike was there a drone <laughs> <laughs> so i look up to my guy ryan and i'm like hey we had better not be the last people out of here no we get in the car we hit the gas and by the time we got to the car the nine cop cars had evaporated oh had evaporated and, and then little was, Joker walks up with his cane. Yeah, no, no, we did. We did not give that one chance. We were on the gas in the mom diesel, and off we went. And you know, escaped with the phone. And it was just that story. You know, I've told it to the people who were at that table, and they can't believe it. And my mom threw a fit, and she called the the old town Mexican cafe and asked for the general manager and the general manager tried to say, Hey, uh, come on back and we'll get you food. I'm like, what? No, never. You know, we fired that guy. Not enough. Not enough. Like 
how is that okay? Like how many people didn't have locate my phone? How many people just lost their phones? And like, did that guy get 50 before somebody went to his house? Right. With nine cop cars? Well, now you don't got to worry about it because Trump is going to be the president. They're going to build a wall and that's not going to happen anymore. Wow. Yes, I said it. Well, you can say all those things, just none of them are true. That's true. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> well, do you want to segue into it? Do you want, do you want to get into it? Um, yeah, and I'm going to... I voted for the other side. Um, I am completely... My kids have to shield their eyes when they go by that place that rents the jet skis that has the giant Trump pence. Oh, yeah. On the, off the five? I mean, I think that thing is genius. I, you know, I used to kind of have to cringe when I saw all the Gadsden flags and that kind of group running around. But now I'm just like, it, it's all part of a really, really interesting thing that no one expected. And I'm kind of excited for the future. This, uh, we, we, it has turned into a dystopian episode uh, of, of idiocracy. Yeah. What is it? Mocking J3, you know, <laughs> so, somehow or another, that's what's going to happen. It's going to fall apart. The wheels have come off. We've shit the bed. There's the, the maid is not going to come in and, and freaking clean the sheets because she's been deported. Yeah. I don't know. I um, Well, my, my stock portfolio is doing really well, though. That's what I was going to say. My, my mean, stocks are just killing it right now. I, I, my secret, my dirty little secret with all this is I have personally done so well through two Bush administrations, and I have high hopes for... Uh, a Trump administration that just, you know, I, I have an unfair lottery ticket. I do happen to be an employed white guy, right? So, <laughs> you know, the feeling, right? And so that's going to work out, you know, and it's not my fault. I voted for the other side. That's my gift. You're welcome. I politicked for the other side. I made all the sense in the world in terms of Supreme Court justices and all that about why the other side should be organized. And it's not me who didn't show up. That's the 7 million votes that evaporated in that last election is tantamount, tantamount to the L.A. riots when you burned your own neighborhood down. Right. You know, people don't uh, think about the 2012 election and and think about how Obama only won by 5 million votes, which by saying only won by 5 million votes, I know it sounds like a lot, but this is a country that's divided. And, uh, you know, I, I voted for Hillary, not, like most other people, not because I like Hillary, but because I hated Trump so much. This is a country divided. But at least we've seen the defeat of neoliberalism, which a lot of people before this, you know, election was finalized didn't really know what that meant. And now, now they know. Now I don't people know. know. I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to go for that. I, I don't think that that was neoliberalism liberalism that, that took a hit. I think it was faux liberalism. Those were all Republicans dressed up with a D. Um, Pantsuits that were would have been just as good, you know, with Elizabeth Dole in them five or eight years ago. And they absolutely were going to do whatever Goldman Sachs told them to do. We were just going to get a couple of other platitudes for us. Well, they 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 definitely waved the flag of the 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 liberal you know social aspect of it all. Uh, but that's gone now. Now. What's going to happen? I mean, so I've always said socially, I'm Democratic. Fiscally, I'm Republican. I've, I've always said that. But now what? What happens to my lesbian sister-in-law, you know, who's been married to another woman? What happens to them? What right. happens to 
uh, you know, the brothers out there, what happens to, uh, the, the native Americans fighting the, the, the clean water in North Dakota. Those are all great points. And my answer to all of them is roll call. Yeah. Where are the 7 million votes? Right. Where are the 7 million votes? The 2012 election was 65 to 60. This was 59 to 57. What do, you, what do you have to do to get the people out there? I mean, Barack Obama engaged the people in 2008 and got the people up out of their, out of their seats and engaged them. I feel like Hillary Clinton didn't engage enough. I don't think she related to enough people. She didn't do enough press conferences. She, was she on SNL? Oh, she was on SNL. She did do, do SNL. I, I mean, I'm not in the camp that says, hey, Hillary, this is your fault. She just, again, she's another lottery winner. She, it was her turn. These aren't, Hillary isn't the problem. The problem is you have to vote for your own destiny. If you don't vote for your own destiny, this is what happens. And it's never, never that far away to have the other side swamp you. It's never, I mean, all these elections have been close. We almost won in 2004. We should have won in 2000. Uh, we won in 2008 and 2012. In 2012, it was really, really close. Very, very close. The, the Romney people went into that election in 2012 convinced they were going to win. Right. Convinced they were going to win. I was convinced. Right. So there's by no means uh, was there ever any indication to anybody in the United States, especially a lesbian sister-in-law, especially any person of color, especially any female, and especially anybody in the 97%, the 99% that needs an economic outcome in their favor and not in the favor of the ultra-rich. Right. None of those people, and it's not, that's not 65 million people. There, there's 170 million registered voters. 45, 45 million of them took a powder. Yeah, right. And in, amongst those 45, those groups I just named dominate. Right. Guess who didn't take a powder? White men. And, and their, retirees. And their wives. Because they have nothing better to do. So, you know, I'm on social media all the time. And, uh, and you know, I was, I was doing all this talk beforehand, um, you know, posting and do my own little polls and, you know, baiting people and trolling as, as I always do. Then the election stopped. The results were in and I was very quiet and everybody just still kept going. And I feel like the ballots have been cast. You put it in, you didn't get what you wanted out of it, or you did get whatever you wanted out of it. Now what, now what do people do? People just go back to sleep and go back to following whatever they follow, doing their thing. And it's over for four more years. And it's completely disappointing to me that that people will thumb thug and post and share their their links, this, that, and the other thing, yet that no one does anything. This all this talk, it doesn't do anything. It does nothing. The protests, like the liberals that are out there protesting in the streets, get a fucking job. Go go do something that's really gonna matter. And and people have said that I've gloated about the the community work that I do. It's not gloating. I'm not trying to fluff myself here. I'm trying to make a difference. And people just would rather click and share than actually get up and do something. You know, people don't realize your vote does count, but you got to do more than that. You have to do more for that. You have to, you have to volunteer in your community. You have to, you know, even your church, whatever it is, hand out 
you know, turkey dinners at Thanksgiving, but even that's not enough. You need to give a, a commitment monthly and you need to get that out there and you need to do something. You have planning groups, you have uh, neighborhood watch teams, whatever it is, get out there and do something. I'm just, I'm just tired of these thumb thugs. And I've never, I've never made a meme. Never. <laughs> I've actually, I, I got a meme creator, right? I'm never, um, I, I, I can't say never, but I, I have been fairly disinterested with, uh, making Facebook posts about politics or reengaging in those types. I, I don't see the productivity in that. Um, I definitely, I, I agree with a ton of what you just said. And that's almost exactly verbatim how I thought about this the last couple of weeks. I explained it to my kids the exact same way. When these things happen, what you do is you look for the opportunities that are contained therein. Mm-hmm. So this, if you are unemployed and you think the future doesn't look that great for you, guess what? You should probably go apply at Caltrans right now. Yeah. You know, because uh, Donald Trump is going to cut taxes, but then he's also going to build a billion dollars worth of infrastructure to jolt the economy, something both sides always wanted to do, but he's got both wings of Congress now, so he's probably going to get it done. Right. So grab an orange helmet and go to work. And he's going to privatize it too, the, especially the financing and the contracts. And I don't care. And, I'm, and neither does cool the guy that. in the in the orange helmet. They're going to, that's 15 years of steady work. Right. You know, what on earth, and that's got state health benefits. So Invest in Alcoa. Yeah. Invest in Caterpillar. Right. Invest in the the blue chips. Right. I mean, that's the only way to look at it is you, you got to be able to profit on both sides of the equation. You know, that's that's what the 1% does. Right. The 1% has a strategy when one guy's in, they got a strategy when the other guy's in. Right. A low tax, high tax strategy. They, they definitely are going to do that. That's what you should be doing. Right. I, there's, there's, there's a lot that that is going to, I think, is going to be good about a Trump presidency. And the Republicans controlling everything. Because it's yin and yang, man. If there's too much control on one side, it has to swing the other way. And I, I do have faith in the American political system. Very little faith. But enough that, that yes, we had eight years of this way. Now we're going to have, hopefully, just four years of this way. And I, it, the pendulum swings. Yeah. I'm, um, that's probably the part of this that I have the most... Uh, worry about and that's because we needed the um clinton presidency for two big reasons uh one of them was the supreme court yep and the other one was to be in control when the 2020 census happened and the 2020 census was meant to equalize one person one vote across the country by having the right administration in place once the census hit because that's when you redistrict so you redistrict in the two years subsequent to the census. And so places like Ohio and Florida, where it's a natural 54% probability towards a Republican in any district, except for four that are completely, they squeeze every Democrat into four districts, and the other 44 districts um, are giant spider webs that only contain Republicans in them. Right. Um I'm up with my John Oliver, so I, I'm, I know what you're talking about. Right. Um, well, that's going to be very troublesome because that's just going to get reinforced for another 10 years. So that's 14 years of gerrymandering getting worse, not better. Right. So when you say, just wait four years and then swing it the other way, um, that's going to get harder and harder as a result of an equation of any election. You know, when we, when we had the... Um, 
2006 election where we beat the heck out of the House and the Senate for the last two years of the Bush presidency. Um, that was a shocker, but it was weird because there was a gentleman who had a huge sex scandal with a page at the time that, you know, all these news items in a row all swung against the Republicans right at this one particular time. Plus, there's a natural occurrence every six years where this particular um, Senate, it was 25 to 14, uh, where 25 vulnerable Republicans had to go up and only 14 Democrats did. And they still won. Right. It was the other way in 2006. Those anomalies are going to get harder and harder and harder for the Democrats to to uh, figure out a way to win. Mm. You know, that's a solid point. I'm, I'm still going back to the census thing. You really stumped me on the census. The gerrymandering I'm completely aware of, but I didn't realize that in 2020, that's where that's what we're up against. Right. Sorry to backtrack here. But and neither did 45 million non-voting fucks. Yeah. Get off your fucking couch, get away from your keyboard, put down the bag of Cheetos and the World of Warcraft or whatever hot game is on right now. Hey, Nate Silver, that's what I want to know. You and your great polling. I want you to go to the 45 million who didn't vote. I want to get a demographic analysis and I want to get a uh, partisan analysis. I mean, I want to know. I mean, I'm not above shaming. I used to have this sort of uh, belligerent point when there were protests against the Iraq war, for instance, uh, I wanted people could only participate in the protest if they could prove they voted. I really want the <laughs> Afghan system where you get the finger full of ink. Yep. You know, I want to know who did and who didn't. Right. And if you didn't, you can't do it. You can't podcast protest. You can't write memes you can't complain. You can't right. do any of it. Agreed. That's I think it. it should be like Australia, where it's just required. You have to vote. You know two people that didn't vote? Who? Colin Kaepernick. Right. I knew that, actually, because people are making fun of him mercilessly. And Kanye West, who recently had a nervous breakdown and canceled the rest of his tour, losing $30 million in ticket sales. But he said he's probably going to be a fan of the Trump administration. Yeah. He said a lot of things. He also said, told Jay-Z not to kill him. <laughs> And talk shit on Beyonce and Dave Chappelle. Hey, we got a guest. Yes. Tell me what's coming up. Oh, uh, the next half hour, we have uh, a good friend of mine, Joe Inga, who is a uh, lifelong Charger fan. And we're going to talk about uh, life after um, No on Sea passed. All right. Mikey, set us up. Hey. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Joe Inga out of Pacific Beach. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you for having me tonight. Representing San Diego's finest football team and only football team and soon to be not football team, the San Diego Chargers. Why did you bring our guest here? I brought him because I've... Okay. Full disclosure. Joey is one of my closest friends in the on this earth. Um, love the guy to death. We were um, neighbors for the last, what, four years at least? Four years. I've known him since he was 13 and I was 15, and he's had a beard ever since. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yes. Um, also, he is, uh, he's got a very deep-rooted San Diego Charger fan uh, affiliation. Generational. Very generational. Um, so let's um, let's just start with your history. Uh, were you you know where are you from? Uh, again, thanks for having us tonight. Uh, we're from Pacific Beach. We grew up, uh, like you said, together. 
uh, on the you know beaches of, right under Crystal Pier and being Charger fans and Padre fans and anything San Diego. And were you a Clipper fan? Uh, it was before my day. Okay. I would have been. Uh, but yeah, so by default, we just went to Aztec basketball games before they were good at Peterson Gym and, wow. you know, hung out and uh, saw some sports. I always was athletic and surfing and whatnot. So we have a lot of commonalities, uh, Mikey and I, and uh, I really so enjoyed you're it. So you're season tickets? We are, yes. We are season ticket holders. Uh, so we've been there about 24 years. This is our 24th season. So we've seen um, some winning seasons and some losing seasons. So you've really been to 184 games? I no, my father has. I've been. Uh, t- I missed four games due to travel, right. uh, but did catch the games while traveling on satellite television. So and all the playoff fun. games. Yeah, those are the worst, home, aren't they? Home playoff. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So l- let's talk lingering about, scars. <laughs> l- let's ta- let's talk about your dad and, and his history. So he was an '80s guy. He was, uh, you know, season ticket holder uh, when Fouts and the Air Coriel and the, you know, the glory days. Which is crazy to imagine that uh, the glory days now have been surpassed by current stats. Which is kind of neat, but kind of blows me away because those guys are just, you know, uh, uh, they're they're gods to the fans that were of that era. And uh, so I'm a younger era, and I have a new perspective on the team, uh, maybe that the older guys do. You know, and that a refreshing look on it, and um, probably a realistic look on it. Yeah, so th- this is two different kinds of fans. I, I'm more and more becoming the TV fan, and <laughs> you are a pure. I go to the games and feel the air and shout at the top of my lungs when we're on defense and make sure they know it's our stadium and get really mad when it's all Green Bay fans and it, the it, that's the truth. Yeah. Uh, but I do agree that the NFL is much uh, better on television. So you like, only know this for bye weeks. Yeah, exactly, or road games, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's great entertainment, uh, and it has been for me and my family, and it, it's a bonding moment for everyone, and we enjoy that. So there's a deep connection to the, the you know, going out to the ball yard and enjoying a great day, uh, win or lose. You know, obviously we like to win, um, but... Uh, that's that's what I think a lot of people may have uh, overlooked in the recent ballot measure um, and maybe have looked at dollar cents, which they should. But there was a uh, little emotion towards uh, existing fan base or uh, the people that have been there from day one or longtime season ticket holders or people that really support this team win or lose. I think that there's been, uh, in that recent measure, unfortunately, um, I, I was voting for it, uh, and it turned uh, to be failed. Uh, the turnout was failure on the measure, and uh, I thought that it should have gone with more consideration and maybe better uh, legislation, the better written, I should say, the better... It, just, it seems like it was such an uphill battle. I voted for it, too, yeah. for sure, but... Um, we didn't even get 50%. Mm-hmm. It went down 45 to 55. Yeah. And it needed to have gotten 67%. Yeah. Which, to me, like that's not really a referendum. Yeah. That's just, uh, here's a, here is a uh, silver platter excuse to give the Spanish family more options to do stuff. I mean, if you were trying to build a stadium, that's not how you try to build a stadium. You know, I, I don't know if they thought somewhere in a back room somewhere that we're going to force this thing through and 67% are going to have to vote for it or they're going to fear losing their team. But there's just too much uh, divided population to ever have 67% on anything. That's why that rule's in effect. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think it was against all odds from the get-go, needing that two-thirds vote. But I think I that, mean, I, I, all right, this question is for you. The biggest question on my mind is, what happened in 2005? 2005, they had a no-cash deal for a land swap to tear down the Murph and make a brand new stadium right on the spot and they were already pointing and we're going to have the red line trolley going through the area we've got this thing all completely mapped out give us 64 acres of swampland swampland yeah. and we're going to go ahead and keep everything intact in charger land what happened right then i believe it fell down to the environmentalist and the testing of the epa i think it was soil samples from the oil containments that are right there on friars road and the 15 i think it had to do something with that which is an interesting point because i think that that needs to be resurfaced and re-looked into and win or lose with that battle maybe it's hindering the environment or not but i but all of a sudden now that land is available for redevelopment, which I find astounding because who wants to live in a place that's not good enough for a sporting event? Right. I find that interesting in a development-run town in San Diego. Yeah. Right. Uh, Doug Manchester. We're just, it just seems like we're fighting a, a <laughs> battle for the 50th time that should have been settled. Oh, when, yeah. A, a great example ago. is Arizona. Arizona took the city of Glendale, which is a municipality, a suburb of Phoenix, right? So they, they moved down, what, 12 miles, 14 miles, somebody look it up on GPS, south of Phoenix. They build a brand new stadium. They pass it with flying colors. They pay for it. The team comes in. They've already hosted political events, college events. They've already hosted the bigger and better. They had the vision, the mayor. It's already paid for. It's done. And they didn't even balk at it. They didn't even blink. They didn't miss a beat. They built it, and they just said they will come. And... Sure enough, you get enough attention, and now it's in the regular rotation for major events, concerts, whatnot. The Pope, I think, visited there. Somebody looked that up. I don't know. But I'm just saying San Diego missed on a big visionary movement. Like they, It was bigger than, than 10 home games, two preseason, eight regular season games for the Chargers. There was more to it, you know? There was, there's more to it, but, I mean, in, the, in your case, you know, in Arizona, that, that's there, this is here. There's a lot going on here, and, and there's a lot more going on here than than football and and conventions. I mean, there's there's so much. So maybe yes, you, some people could say we missed on some business opportunity in downtown, but there's always there's already so much opportunity in my opinion down there. Stuff that's already happening. I say keep it where it's at, rebuild the freaking thing. Yeah, the trolley's already going through there. I mean, what's what's major the, freeways around? What's it. what's the problem here? So so. Now I want to talk about um, I want to talk about the tailgate. So I joined your tailgate, and I call it your tailgate because I do feel that it is you and your father's tailgate. Um, I think I started in the early two thousands, um, maybe even the, in the late nineties. Tell you the truth, because I remember nine uh, eleven, the first uh, NFL game at Qualcomm yeah, after nine yeah. eleven. I was there for that. Yeah. I think it was a playoff game with the Jets. I'm not positive. Or maybe maybe it's just a regular season. It's about that at time, yeah. It's like right around there. Um but uh but yeah, so I joined your tailgate. How long has that tailgate been going on? Uh 93 was our first season and we had sprinkled and peppered in a few games, you know, that my dad could afford uh here and there. Uh one of the great earliest memories I have was that great flip Gary Anderson does in the end zone. I think they were playing Tampa or 
Kansas City or something, but that was probably like 86, maybe 87, somewhere in there. And that was pretty cool for me. That was like that my was early opening day of 86. Thank you. That was, uh, it was a great game and it was a great day. And again, a, a bonding moment of me and my father. And I'll, I'll always remember, you know, um, but that tailgate started loosely around there. We had a few buddies that my dad worked with, uh, and it turned out from the back of his old Hyundai Excel and it was a hatchback and we could just have a styrofoam cooler and we had a folding chair and a black and white plug in television. And we would watch the like day games with, uh, antenna bunny ears. And it was like, I'm not dating myself. I'm not only 36 years old, but it was kind of funny that we had that archaic uh, equipment. And then it turned into uh, a few guys finding out that we were cool and having a good time and always meeting in this same zone. And it ended up being in that same section, the J3 section. And then it just grew and natured and organically sprouted into many people having uh, almost tasks uh, per participation of the uh tailgate which was kind of neat so some people would be desserts some people would be uh bring in uh there was a guy with a bar there was all kinds of stuff so and then each person made a specialty shot and then it just became fun we got a fight song we've been on espn radio we got all kinds of stuff so it's really uh uh loyal to the team for the camaraderie and 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 so it's pretty fun fun place to be j3 now i've seen it at its peak and at its peak i mean there was definitely a hundred people there and, and just partying and having a good time and, and, and everyone uh, in, in the high spirits. Win or lose, it didn't really matter. Um, now, this took a downturn. When did this tailgate start taking a downturn? Oh, I think when people started realizing it was less and less about the fans and less and less really about the players. And it's just all about the money. And it's all about the corporate uh, approach to the, the league, which is not nothing new, nothing uh, to surprise. Um, but it was less and less about uh, that grassroots people that got you there and, and corporations and advertising and whatnot and, and bigger and better stadiums and all that stuff. And I think people are just tired of spending their hard-earned money on on this unrealistic escape of reality that you can just go away for a couple hours, have a few beers, see your guys and talk about something besides, you know, everyday life. And, uh, it's a cool escape and a lot of people use it for that. And I think a lot of people are going to miss out because they'd rather spend their dollar on something else because of the product. I mean, television ratings are even down right now. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see what's going on in the NFL and where it goes. And I think that that starts right there with the people that go to the games and support it and go and, and, and cheer on the defenses like we heard. And, and, uh, they would like to spend their hard earned dollars somewhere else. It, the threat of them leaving and then staying and then a billionaire crying about us not paying for his stadium it's understandable i get it i don't want to pay for it you know i work hard for my money and i work hard to go to those games right and adjust schedules and miss trips and plan stuff around it and it becomes part of your life and it's on your calendar and you know it's it's just overlooked by many other things on that corporate level you know right now i've been a season ticket holder for Six, maybe eight years, probably closer to eight years. I don't know. I can't count that high. But uh, but my turning point as as a, a Charger fan was last season when you know there's the threat of we're going to L.A. Actually, it was before last season, and and then I get my season tickets in the mail, and they on the season tickets, you know, they have the graphic. It's the slogan for that that season. And the slogan was, we're all in. 
You remember that? Yeah. You know I what did. I'm talking oh, yeah. about. I have the shirt with it. Yeah. Yeah. The, we get the free shirt. You know, you spend a thousand dollars, you get a free fucking shirt from, you know, Taiwan and we're all in And that last game. And I, I didn't show up to that last game, but Weddle's last game. Yeah. The Chargers last game. How did you feel about that? Did you think that was the end? Oh, man. You got to ask me about that one. That was a pretty emotional game. That was pretty uh, apocalyptic. Yeah, it was kind of a wild uh, uh, victory, even uh, for the fans on that game. The players had emotions, and football is an emotional game. But, yeah, that one was heartfelt for a lot of people that were uh, in the stands that day and people that were at home watching it because they knew that that pretty much was the send-off. And I never, ever, ever do this, and I never uh, get starstruck, and I never autograph Seek, but I, I autographed suck, sneaked that day and got uh, Philip Rivers, and uh, that was kind of cool. Was uh, that a Freudian slip with a suck? Yes, it was. <laughs> it was a slippery slope. That's hot. And uh, yeah, it was a good one. it was one, an man. emotional day. But it was, yeah. Everybody was super bummed. There was people crying and listening to the Charger song, the disco uh, you know, and then how soon after did you find out that LA rejected the Chargers and they're coming? A couple for weeks another went season? by, yeah. A couple weeks went by, and then now, the roller coaster of we're staying, we're leaving. I'm going. Right. I, I often describe it as like I broke up with a girlfriend and we still lived under the same lease, kind of thing. Like she's on the bed and I'm on the sofa, but you know we're under the same roof, but we're not together, kind of thing. So <laughs> it was like, okay, well we're done, but if you stay, I'll, I'm okay with that. But if you leave. We're done. So yeah. that's kind of how the tailgate goes. That's kind of how the fans go. The se- these season ticket You look at the stands of these games, the record doesn't help. The injuries don't help. The constant injuries don't help. But, you know, th- the enthusiasm is gone. 98, Padres got a big, you know, great signings. They had some great players. They were doing great things. And then all of a sudden, or, you know, those years leading up to that. Uh, and then 98, they go to the World Series and play the Yanks, get smoked. But I mean, it was just like, okay, like where do I sign on the dotted line kind of thing? Everyone was super enthusiastic. So here your Chargers have a perfect storm. They got nothing going for them. They got no real future. I mean, you got some young talent coming in. Joey Bosa holds out. You got Melvin Gordon finally comes back from a, a spotty rookie season. You got, you know, Manti Teo. We don't know who his girlfriend is still, but you know, it's all good. Uh, but it's you know these guys are playing their hearts out but really like where's the team going to be in the next three to five years rivers is gone you know and then did you did you hear the theory from last episode i didn't no i'm sorry i'm not a listener (laughs) he's not one of the four (laughs) he's not one of the four that's forgivable um i my theory is that um the players are throwing the season that they would like to be actors. They'd like to have Jay Moore as their agent, and they want to get the hamburger just like yeah, Todd Gurley. Gurley. Yeah, and uh, so they're um, all of them. I mean, how else would Philip throw four interceptions in the fourth quarter? That's not entirely possible unless there's a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. You know, there's a lot of theories out there circling around camp, but it's you know. I think a guy's doing the best he can. I mean, he, you know, he's he's the conductor of the orchestra, and he's down to the JV squad. You know, hey, he's got good. he's got the third string tuba going right now, and he's just trying to get the, he's just trying to get the ball down the field. You know, so our running back right before he was great was horrible, mm. just horrible. And the part of this, the last podcast was 
there's an article in the Wall Street Journal, 30 million to one that you could lose those games like that in the early part of the season. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, you, if you were to flip a coin, you couldn't lose that much, you mm-hmm. know? So uh, Melvin Gordon's just putting it on the carpet as often as he possibly could. And then every free agent that we had on the team just like was hot potatoing the ball and throwing it to the other team yeah. in the fourth quarter. And then at the very end of this, just when you think, oh man, you know, they're all just betraying Philip uh, Philip Rivers. The next thing you know, he does it. Now you know the fix is in. <laughs> they really want that hamburger. Yeah, <laughs> they really do. So, so what? This is a question, but before I, but after I give you the question, I want to say a couple things. What now? Because here I am. I mean, we have, again, Joey and I are very close friends. We have this text string with, like, you know, 10 of our other very close friends. And I'm the sourpuss. I'm the Eeyore during the Charger game where I'm just like, oh, great. You know, 12 minutes left. We're going to lose it all. I'm a season ticket holder, and I'm ready to give up my season tickets because I've seen so many of our friends at the tailgate, the J3 tailgate, over the last couple of years, just give up their tickets. And I'm, and I'm on, dude, I'm not on the fence. I'm crawling down the fence on the other side. What do you say to a guy like me? What, why should I stay? Well, my question would be, you know, why do you feel that way? Why, what, you know, other than the simple factors that they're not putting maybe a quality product on the field, maybe you have, you know, hard-earned money, you have a growing family, everyone has a scenario, personalized scenario. Maybe you just have bigger things going on in life that you realize that are going on other than football. There's we, not- live, we live in a beautiful town. There's a lot of other things to do on Sundays. A lot of people just enjoy gardening and not listening to the Chargers debacle of Philip Rivers' four picks. You know, but- you know my, my thing is, is, is when I pay for, when I pay for something, yeah. I, I want a quality product. And I don't need them to win every game, but I need the owners of the team and the whole franchise as a whole to cater to me and my wants and my needs. I want them to cradle me, and I'm not getting that. Yeah. I think that it's uh, it starts from the top. It's an organizational issue. Uh, you go to other markets. You go to other venues. You see other organizations and the way they operate from the get-go, from parking uh, and lot maintenance to ticket entry to uh, concierge services and viewing of the seats and whatnot. We're just missing that out on a lot of that. And that's where we have a chance, be it downtown, be it Mission Valley, be it Kearney Mesa, uh, Saquon Indians, where are you at? Where are all my Native Americans at? Yo, like, you got that money. You got land, you got money. We know you got money. You got all of our money. Uh, it, like, where are, like, okay, so if it, NFL doesn't want to go because of gambling to these, you know, Indian uh, reservations and whatnot, but you're about to move a team to Vegas. So, like, what? Like, what's the problem? You make a lot of money on FanDuel. FanDuel promotes in every stadium that I counted over 30 signs for FanDuel. At While Jack I'm Ruby. pissing, uh, yeah. I'm looking at FanDuel. Yes, at Qualcomm Stadium this week. Or, you know, So you can't tell me the NFL's not getting a slice of that. And be it advertising money or what. But so, you know, where where's all the money at in San Diego? Let's get a venue going for major concerts, theater events, political events. Let's get a theater going for Comic-Con every year. You know, I don't live downtown. I don't know the impact exactly. I mean, I saw what Petco did. I know there's a lot of new business down there. 
I know that it used to be a warehouse district that were businesses, but but pretty sketchy area town. I remember being on Sixth and Island and uh, being too far, quote unquote, out of town. And right. now that's the heart of East of the East Village. Yeah, and I love it. It's great down there. I go down there all the time. But what's going to happen when they bring the charters down there too? A lot of things are going to go, you know, missing and awry, and the bus, you know, this and that. But Long story short, I think that San Diego is missing on the vision. I think that San Diego is missing out on the future of of being a major city. I don't want to be Laguna Beach. We have a Laguna Beach. We have San Clemente. Great coastal towns with nothing going. They got no no pro teams. They got no major airports. They've got they're not a destination that anybody wants to go to after Hollywood, SeaWorld San Diego, the Zoo San Diego. Uh, you know, whatever else is in LA that you want to see, you know, Disneyland, everything else. No one goes to California their first time because of Laguna Beach. I'm just saying we're a major blip on the map. Like, let's stay there. Let's not lose that. So and I, I, my, my whole thing, I, Jack Ma, if you're listening to us, if you're one of the four <laughs> listeners, and if you know who Jack Ma is, that's the owner of Alibaba in China. <laughs> <laughs> come buy the Chargers. We need a we need a billionaire that was come passionate. Buy the Chargers, buy the land, construct a whole like your face as the, is the stadium. <laughs> the mouth will all that will be the parking lot. Mouth the mouth. Yeah, just <laughs> it's funny that you said that. The uh, Jacksonville Jaguars have that. They have a Pakistani American yeah. who's, who's a trillionaire from the car parts industry from, uh, I believe, Indiana. Yeah, Khan. He, so in, he's gone absolutely. And the Sacramento Kings have that. Yeah, uh, they have yeah. a tech entrepreneur. That's so a it's on the way. It's in vogue. And uh, and they and the funny thing is that um, the Sacramento Kings guy just built probably the most innovative sports facility ever made. And that's saying that after Levi Stadium and saying that after uh, the Dallas Cowboys facility, yeah. um, that, that thing that they made for basketball in Sacramento is unbelievable. It's like Bill Gates' house, only 800,000 square feet. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it, you know, absolutely. Bring it. Please. Somebody out there. The team's profitable. I really don't see it moving to another market. No. Um, no and it, being as profitable. No one wants it. I, I always fantasize about having the Chargers become like the Packers. I, I, last year I went to Green Bay to see the Chargers play the Packers there. It was in a super interesting, you know, something I've always, always oh, wanted wow. to do. Yeah, bucket and, list. Um, and uh, me and Lou Niles from 91X got on a plane and went and made that journey and it Aww. was absolutely wonderful and talk about a tailgate experience talk about tradition just not not 30 years of tradition but 90 100 years of tradition right and just sacred ground and they just yeah. they wouldn't dream of moving the stadium it's Lambeau Field right so they just took Lambeau Field and made it you know from a Packard into a Cadillac Escalade then that's that's their vision. That's because the people own the team, right? Well, that's where I was going with that. Yeah. It's a municipality. It, if the Spanish family wants to do something really, really incredible for San Diego, they have to go somewhere near the sun in that direction because all the economics are completely against the city. If you stay here, it's going to net effect cost your family $3 billion. $3 billion. That's the valuation difference from being a team here versus a team in Los Angeles. No doubt about it. There's 50 economists that agree on, on that valuation figure. So you, and they're close. 
if you listen to it, they are getting demonized left and right. And, you know, Nick Cannonback just came out with an article in the last like three days. Just, you know, Dean, where are you? Where are you? And um, they're, they're right there. They don't, they don't want to move. They want to put something together. And the league couldn't be more anti-Packers, municipality. That's not where they're at. Right. But the Spanish organization could come up with something that's remarkably close to that. And any move that keeps them in this town is a version of a Packerization of the team. Because you're basically saying, yeah, $3 billion, but we're just a... Greek family from Stockton that's done pretty well in construction and San Diego's adopted us and we've put 54 years on the map and this is this is a good thing for us. So Built we're our fortune out. off of immigrant slave labor, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, my, uh, my, sell the team. Sell the team. They, I, they, I just, I don't see them coming back from this. I've, I'm at the games and, you know, guess, guess the attendance comes up. And it's short ten thousand from what it what it was two years ago. And it's an exaggeration. It's only exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, and you can see it on TV. The uh, club level is yeah. pathetic. There's, it's non-existent. I'm not looking forward to the Raider game, boys. I'm going to tell you that right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> it just, just you guys, dear Spanos family, you fucked up. We know that. You know that. It's time for you all to retire. Okay, time for you to retire. Sell yeah, the team. Yeah. I, I got to tell you that that is a recipe for the exact outcome you don't want. Selling the team is the Los Angeles option. Right. Who are the minor partners? Do you know uh, who the minor partner is? Uh, the Pernicano who just died? No, the minor partner is a company called AEG. Oh. Uh, Anschutz Entertainment Group. Right, right. Uh, that's the people who own the Staples Center, Golden Voice, Coachella, those aren't San Diego properties. That's a that's a team that is a company leveraging ownership to move it to Los Angeles to own a Los Angeles football franchise because they're in the Los Angeles entertainment business. So any movie you want to sell the team, that's they've got a first right of refusal. Yeah, that's true. What's their what's their ownership? What's the, any idea of the percentage? Uh, ten or fifteen, but that's all that was really available. But they bought that probably at a what they call preferred stock rate in order to get a first right of refusal so that if they were ever going to sell the organization, that's who gets it first. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. You can't want them to sell. You got to want them to adapt and overcome. I'm thinking suck it up. Marine. Ho Chi Minh. <laughs> <laughs> Something. But uh, Green Bay was fascinating. Yeah. Um, it was really fun to be, with other Charger fans, uh, all decked out in the powder blues in in that game, and that game was great. And we scared the shit out of those guys. We were thrown in the end zone to win at the end of the game. And uh, this is a very, very proud organization that doesn't expect to lose. And the reason I bring this up, that was great. Green Bay, for all its value, is having a very tough year. An right. Extremely tough year. Right. Their their organization, their their football team this year is misbuilt. And it has a lot of the same problems structurally that a lot of these last few years of the Chargers organization has had. Um, if When Aaron Rodgers first came up, they had a real problem with their offensive line. They fixed it. They actually went and won a Super Bowl. Should have won a couple. And now they're back to having no way to protect him and no defense at the same time. 
and they're having an extremely tough year. A couple of other teams are having, you know, not their best year in proud, proud organizations. Carolina, you know, Carolina has been to the Super Bowl a couple times. They've got an extremely loyal fan base, you know, and they were one in five for a second. You know, so it happens. This happens to other teams. It's weird how those guys react a lot differently. Like, well, we'll have to figure it out and go build a really good team for next year. We're like, oh, my God, thermonuclear detonation. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. two different reactions. Like, it, we, we, we double lose. We aren't fighting for next year for a better team. We're like, hey, if Phillip throws four interceptions, then they're just going to L.A., that's that's a weird position to be in. I, I can't. Human beings have a bit of a fragility, including very proud football fans. That's a bit much. That is a bit much, and the fact that it's moved into its second year, and let's it's, it's not, exhausting. It, it's not been. That's it. it it's not <laughs> really been two years. If you can out, if you count the three years of denial that preceded it, this is probably the fifth year where we've seen this math. You could probably add more years of that denial as well, but. Yeah, you know, it's always been on the table. Uh, And, you know, I was really surprised, actually, of the outcome. I I thought uh, I knew it had no chance at two-thirds, you know, uh, to receive that kind of uh, outcome. But the measure. Um, But, you know, I was really I was surprised. I really was. And I think that that was just a flat-out slap to the Spanos. I think it was just like, oh, you want to leave? You think you can leave us? You know what? Go ahead and go. That's actually why I voted for it, though. I voted for it, and I, I said this is on tape, so um, I can't possibly be changing my story, but I just wanted to call their bluff. That, that was my whole thing. Yeah. What, if, what if we put 67% up? You know, yeah. What happened then? Oh shit! That, we got to build now. Yeah, now you got to build it, and the vote just cost him three billion dollars. Yeah. No turning back. Right, right. Because I always thought it was manufactured the entire thing, and they they weren't really going to do it. They put this bullshit thing to give him an excuse to get out of town. Up four interceptions. You know, uh, Gordon's throwing the ball on the carpet every chance he gets. Like, add this all up because the Wall Street Journal did thirty million to one. 30 million to one. There's no way in the universe that this could not be anything other than artificial. It's right. an artificial, self made exit to $3 billion. Land. I can't wait to read that link. Yeah, there's a link to absolutely everything we talk about uh, for all seven of you. <laughs> wow, we went up. Ding, 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 ding. I think we see an eighth. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm just going to say, uh, Joey, I appreciate you coming in here. Uh, yeah, much some, love, guys. Giving some insight on, uh, as an insider of the San Diego Charger as a fan. Um, I, I like what we're doing here. Um, I got to take leak, guys. I'm drinking too much beer. <laughs> <laughs> edits. They're all edits. And Thanks for go. coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is FYA. We'll see you next time. Uh. <laughs>